Interim doesn't mean temporary for our family. We were here, we've been here for almost three years now, and I'm going to be here after new leadership is in place because my role is as an overseer for the churches in this area. So we're, we are deeply committed to what is, God is doing here. We uh, moved here three years ago, my wife and I, and our, our fourth child from in, after living in Indonesia for 10 years. And the reason we moved, it was, a, a, you know, some people imagine missionaries as suffering. And that's true. There are many different difficulties uh, that can be happening physically and culturally. And probably the most difficult thing for us was the distance from our family and distance from our children as they graduated and moved back to the United States. But uh, uh, the we didn't leave there because of those difficulties. We left because we believe Jesus wants to do something or wants to involve us in, in what he wants to do with our communities here in New England. And the message that I have today is out of Titus. We're in a series on the book of Titus, and we are uh, going to be talking specifically about this, the second part. There's an introduction that Brian shared last week, and then it moves right into the purpose that Paul had for Titus in going in, uh, in what he was doing on the island of Crete. John reminded me a little bit ago, we had an excellent training the last couple of days, coaches training. Give me a shout, any co- new coaches? People got trained the last couple of days? Whoop! Okay, Justin Coaxum did an excellent job. John worked along with me. Actually, I worked more along with them. They were leading out in so many ways, and this made it a great training. And our desire is to equip each one of you for the work of service. One of those skills is coaching. I would, uh, it's executive coaching or a professional coaching model that allows people to know what their goals are, primarily in like a quarterly cycle. What are you planning on doing in this season of your life? And congratulations, Aaron, you're here. Oh, my gosh. How old's your baby now? Nine days. Woo! Yay! What's his name? John, what's his name? Reed. They got two girls and a little boy. Excellent. Congratulations. Get distracted occasionally when I see things. Worthy distraction. But uh, uh, so coaching helps us really clarify the goals that are in our lives and how to accomplish those within accountability. So that's one of the trainings that we do. And um, what we want to do is see more and more leaders emerge in our community, in this community. And the goal is that our lives would be reproduced. The goal is that we would have more people cared for. The goal is that there would be a deeper and wider impact in our, in our city. So we're not just here for ourselves. We're not here just to get social needs met, although those are very valid. For our relationship with each other is how we live out who we are as believers. It's love him, then love each other. So we've got to be doing this. We've got to be doing the horizontal. But a, a part of what Paul's heart was, what we see, the heart of Jesus is all nations, all peoples, that there's a, a, a uh, in, in the New England area statistic, that I saw within the last year is that there are only 3% of the population is evangelical. 
Now, that term can mean something different to a lot of people, but I, I want to define it in this way. People that are regular attenders of church that really believe the Bible and believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And uh, so that's a really small minority of this region. Does anybody think that's accurate? You know, feel like you might be a minority in our city. And uh, also, it's not just that we're a minority, that we need to, to change other people's minds. It's because we love people. We want them to know that love. And it happens actually in a structured way. We are, our communities are pretty disintegrated. The, uh, my parents live in Nashville, Tennessee. My sister lives in Georgia. My sons live in Texas. My daughter lives in Washington, D.C. Uh, how many of you are more than 100 miles away from your extended family? Anybody in here? Okay. We're all over the place. And we really, as a church, we are playing a key role in building a place. Mothers, fathers, sisters, and brothers, aunts and uncles for other people in our community and, and learning how to walk this life out. So Paul had been in, in uh, Crete, and he wrote this note to, he wrote a letter. He wrote a lot of letters, but this is a specific letter to a, an individual that he was close to. Timothy was someone who traveled with Paul, and how did they travel? They walked. I don't know. I don't see any records of horses in their experience. You know, they don't say, take care of your horse better next time, Titus. You know, I, I don't think that was what was going on. They walked a lot of places, and they walked in groups. And so what we would call an apostolic team, a people who are purposefully interested in expanding the gospel, seeing people come to Jesus and established in community, traveled around with Paul and Barnabas and Timothy and Titus. There are maybe upwards of 20 people that were in this mix of that, this specific apostolic team that were involved all over that part of the world in, in what is now uh, Turkey and Israel and Greece and that uh, in Italy, all in, the, in that area around the Mediterranean. They traveled, and one of the places they were at was an island in the middle of the Mediterranean, Crete. And Paul says, the reason, Titus, I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is trust, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. <clears throat> he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So, Paul is writing to Titus. He's a part of this apostolic team. And Crete is a relatively new place in experiencing the kingdom of God. I um, need... 
I'm afraid at times to throw different numbers out. I'm trying to remember from my studies different things. Uh, so if I get these wrong, <clears throat> you can come up and talk to me afterwards. But I think it's just been a couple of years where the gospel has been in this area. And in our experience in Indonesia, that's what I, I was involved in. I was, we were starting house churches in Muslim areas. And so we thought a lot about leadership development. We thought a lot about how, here's a community, a group of families that have responded. What do we do? How are we going to take care of these people? Who's going to be in charge of this? So we looked for people that had character that was already established. You know, brand new believers, you, you don't quite know where they're at. So in these people in Crete, they actually had a bad reputation we see later on in this chapter. They're liars, Paul says. It's not very affirming, but, uh, uh, you know, supposedly culturally, this was the island of the pirates. So uh, it's kind of a rough place. So among these people, there were character qualities that Paul was saying, look for this. And <clears throat> so elders, we think, what are those? Well, just slow down just a minute. Elder. That means older. Not too complicated. Older. And uh, it's interesting, in this church, when it first started, the elders were like 30 years old because they were older than other people in the room. And uh, in, in places where we were starting churches in East Java, an elder was sometimes a grandfather. He was over, he was somebody that had responded to the gospel that was in this extended family, and he may not have been the, the most gifted, may not have been the most dynamic, but he was faithful, respected, had a good reputation. And so what are we looking for? And this, this uh, book lines up with where we're at in this season of life of our church. I'm in this role now trying to bring more clarity and alignment and direction with our churches and with this church specifically so that we can accomplish the vision God's given us. We want to see more communities established in the greater Boston area. And uh, we have been working hard. We've been really putting in a lot of hours over the last for me, the last couple of years, and for a number of us over the last several months. And one of those per things we've been doing is planning to increase our leadership team, our elders. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in, uh, at, at the end of this message. So, Paul gave Titus an assignment to appoint elders because leadership is critical to healthy communities. We could say everything rises and falls on leadership. If you don't have healthy, maturing, growing leadership, you're not going to have a healthy congregation. Another thing is that training and finding the right fit for leaders is one of the top tasks of church leadership. Recruiting, training, and placing people in, in uh, round pegs and round holes, not just saying, hey, you've never done this before. Yeah, we want people to stretch, but uh, what have you done before? What is 
the desire that's in your heart? What is the calling that's on your life? We want you to find your place in service and grow. And then the next step is that selection of, is a high, selection of high-quality leaders is a priority that Paul is passing on to Titus. So I see the development of leadership is just like 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. It's generational. Paul said for, to Timothy to look for faithful men who are able to teach others also. He's always thinking multi-generational. And so we want to find leaders like Titus. We want to find people that have the ability to look at other people and invest in them. So I'm not just trying, we don't want a few top leaders to be doing this. I want to equip people who equip people who equip people. You're empowered. You can go do this. You're not standing around going, do I have permission? Is it okay? Saying, go do it. People that have been around me for a Long enough, realize I'm, now, I'm a, I don't know if we should be recording this right now. But many times I've said, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness, just do it. <laughs> if it's in line with the gospel, I'm not talking about moral issues. I'm talking about taking risks and sharing who Jesus is, and sharing your life with others. Don't be looking over your shoulder. Look forward. What is, what's in front of me? What's in my neighborhood, my community, my dorm, the people that I work with? Get out there. Now, we need a regular flow of leadership. We're going to be appointing some el- new elders over the course of the next couple of months, but, and it's, it's kind of a, it hasn't been happening a lot over the last few years. But it's going to start happening every year because we're going to have a cycle of people coming in for a three-year period and then rolling off. So some people roll off and some more people are come on. We're going to be bringing in more elders, and they're going to experience leadership in the life of the church and then be able to do what? Help when we start new works. So we're not saying... Oh, no, we don't have enough leaders. What's going on here? We're going to be fat with leadership. We're going to be overflowing, able to give and release and bless. You know, as a church and in the community that we live in, if we don't grow, we die. It's kind of a painful thing, but we say goodbye a lot. There's a lot of people that come into our world and a lot of people that go out. So we can't just stay even. Let's just keep everything safe. Let's maintain. If we don't grow, if we're not pushing forward, then we will be dwindling on a regular basis. So we want to move forward. And it requires not just getting more people in the life of the church. It means more leadership. Okay, now what do elders do? You ever wondered that, Mary? Just sat around. She was, yesterday afternoon, Mary was sitting back somewhere going, what the heck do elders do? There she goes. Talking about this stuff. Okay. Elders help settle disputes in the church. Well, Paul and Barnabas, this is Acts 15, were at Antioch of Syria. Some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the Christians Unless you keep the ancient Jewish custom of circumcision taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas, disagreeing with them, 
strongly, argued forcefully and at length. Finally, Paul and Barnabas were sent to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. There's a lot of information in here. One of the things that I want to point out is that there are elders at different levels of authority in different spheres. There are local elders. There is talking about regional elders in this passage, that, that these elders in this area went and talked to the Jerusalem elders. And they dealt with problems. Woohoo! Conflict and relationship. Yay! It's a poster my dad had on his wall in his office when I was growing up. It had a little uh, gopher or something, something standing there, uh, sticking its up out, head up out of the, a hole in the ground, and it had a flower, and it said, Learn to eat problems for breakfast. And I thought, you know, some people think ministry, oh, look, you get to be up front and people pay attention to you and you can tell them your opinion. No, ministry is about dealing with problems. Elders, it's lots of fun. You get to deal with problems. You work in dealing with conflict in relationships. Number two, they pray for the sick. Call the elders of the church. Is any sick among you? James 5. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, we all pray for the sick. We're all involved in resolving conflicts and relationships. You're involved in conflicts of your own you're resolving, as well as friends in our community. We're supporting one another. So this is not just these guys that are praying for the sick, but we love to pray for the sick. And there's something in this passage that tells me, you know, Jesus loves to answer those prayers. He answers the prayers of a righteous man. He answers righteous women. And when we come into agreement in leadership, there's power there. So he calls us to pray for the sick. Also, they're called to watch out for the church in humility. There are all kinds of complicated things that are going on in our lives. And good, mature, loving, humble elders are going, how you doing? What's going on over there? I like to call it the holy gossip. We talk about people because we want the best for them, not because we're running them down, not because we're going, ah, oh, did you hear what they did? You're going, hey, awesome. Did you see what did? Tim Tachi's phenomenal. The guy's incredible. You know, we're excited about people. And, and we're also saying, oh, so-and-so had a difficulty. Uh, this last week, Steve Karecki had a really, really difficult experience and made the news. And uh, so, boom, people were sending out emails and, and texts saying, pray for the Kareckis. Very challenging. He, he witnessed a, a murder, a suicide this last week. Here in Cambridge, the person shot somebody and then came out and shot themselves. Wow, we need to surround people that are walking through that kind of trauma and say, wow, we love you. Y'all give Steve a hundred hugs when you see him. Say, you're amazing, and just say prayers for their family in this process. God's grace on them. So that's what elders do. We're talking about people. And we're saying what's happening in their lives, and it's, it's protecting. What are the needs that they have? And 
they're also to look out for the spiritual life of the flock. Yield to those leading you and be submissive. This is speaking to the body. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. They may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. This is interesting. So elders have some sort of eternal accountability for people that are under their spiritual leadership, that, that, that they would do well, that they would move forward, be, they would be protected. And the next one is they are to spend their time in prayer and teaching the word. This is out of Acts. And the 12 called near the multitude of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of word. the word. Now, this is uh, it's talking about disciples. We're thinking of, of the apostles originally, but Peter refers to himself in, this, in a previous passage as an elder. And so we see that there are, there are many different functions that happen in the life of the body, but one of those functions of an elder is to be full of God's word and able to communicate it to others. So simply put, Elders should be peacemakers, prayer warriors, teachers, leaders by example, and decision makers. So one of the key things that we do, leaders by example, I said, is just modeling with our lives. I talk to people uh, in leadership and I say, the primary thing that you do is you have a good marriage. The primary thing that you do is not showing up in, in ministry functions. It's not evangelism and discipleship. The primary thing that you do is you raise your children or you're involved in your community in a way that is reflecting the character of Jesus. Modeling is the first thing that you do. Now, here we go. So what are the qualifications? I talked about what they did. So the first qualification, and we see in the sixth verse, an elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Now, that's an interesting word, isn't it? Blameless. Anybody kind of feel like they're just a hair short of blameless? So... We can take this list and say, well, you know, what in the world? What's this about? I, I feel, dis- you know, point one, disqualified. Point two, disqualified. Point three, might happen next week. You know, we're, we're going down the list here. And as I start off telling you, he's actually dealing with new believers. So I think Paul is not saying, Okay, if you can find this needle in the haystack, you might have an elder somewhere. No, he's saying, these are the type of people that we're looking for. And blameless, actually, is is a part of what we're we're doing in our structure. We're going to submit some people to the body to be um, not voted on, but to go through a process of you saying whatever issues you might have with them. 
So is there a blame? Is there an unresolved conflict? Is there something that hasn't been dealt with? And that, that's the way we're approaching blamelessness, not they've never sinned. Jesus is the only one that qualifies for that. It's not never without fault, but there is a clear conscience that they have within the community. They've dealt with their conflicts that they've had in relationships, okay? Then, like I just said uh, previously, in character, it's about modeling how to live life as a follower of Jesus. Now, the, the elders generally in a traditional community were men. We in Antioch, within our, our network of churches, about 30 different churches around the country and here in, in New England, we believe that women can be elders. They are leaders within our community. So although it's just the masculine pronoun through here, we believe that, that it is uh, women that will all, are also, we believe we're going to have a, uh, a woman elder. And, uh, but what we're, we're looking at people of influence. So it's, it's talking primarily in those conservative, in traditional community, in, in the community of the first century, we're, we're looking at heads of household, which were men. But we're looking for exemplary people that are young adults that are single. Again, so if you could only have been an elder if you are married, Paul could not have been an elder. So we believe that you can serve as an elder as someone that is single. Uh, next thing of character is you must not have addictions. So we are, we are concerned... Not that, again, that you've never had a problem, but we want to see people that are walking in victory in their lives, that they're overcoming sin. We're not underneath a burden of any kind of, of chemical or, uh, or relational addiction or a pornography. We want to know that there's freedom, that they have self-control. They're able to rule their own soul. And... That kind of authority, again, is not that you never have a problem, but you're living an example that we have victory over sin in our lives. Then gifting. We move next to, uh, uh, so let me finish up that that seventh verse. Since an overseer, now there's different words in, in, uh, there's the word presbyteros and um, uh, is is used in this passage, which would uh, be uh, with presbytery. I'm not going to get into a lot of... I did have a couple of semesters of Greek, but I, most of the time I have no idea what I'm talking about when I'm in the Greek. But what we see is there's different words here in the Greek that are interchangeable with, with elder. And uh, so overseer in this passage is, is talking about an elder. An overseer manages God's household. He must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. So he's not lusting after money. He's not running a, uh, any kind of business where he's able to take advantage of others. Not quick-tempered. Again, that's, that is a place, having self-control in your life. Okay, now we move into the eighth verse. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. So I, uh, in, 
they must be, have good character and they must be gifted. And the first place of gifting we want to see is a person is generous. And they're generous by being faithful, not just giving to others, but by f- giving within the life of our community. They're tithers. They're people that are committed here first. And, they're, and then they're, they have other ways that they give in their lives. And another thing is uh, generosity should be expressed by having people in their homes. They should be a place of fellowship. They should be a place where community, faith groups are happening on a regular basis, where people that visit on Sunday morning or people that they meet somewhere out throughout the week, their home is a place of hospitality. They have people that live with them for different periods of time. They're open with their lives. And then they must know the word of God and able to teach others. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So there needs to be a certain depth of the word of God to where they're not only building what is true, but they're challenging what is false. Okay, now for our own church, I'm going to put a couple more specific details of what we see at Community of Faith as a requirement for an elder. And it gives you a picture of how we operate, what our culture is like. Um, first thing that I want to say is about our capacity. We're looking for people that are giving like 10 hours or more a week of their time. So it's a, it's a pretty engaging role. And I would say character, someone says, what, what are we looking for in elders? Character, gifting, and capacity. You may have character and gifting, but do you have the capacity in this season of your life to serve and to give a little bit above and beyond? They need to be people that are, when we define not new believers, um, I'm looking at John, we've had a lot of discussions about this even recently, but I would say someone, like like I mentioned before, sometimes there are people that are brand new believers in a new context, and and so... Time is not the issue. What we say is a mature believer. We're looking for a level of maturity. Some people have been a believer for two years, and they're so given themselves over to God's word that they're more mature than people that have been believers for 20 years. So just having walked with Jesus for a long time and been in church services does not make you a mature believer. We're looking for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We're looking for the character of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but a key for us is the amount of time that you've walked with us. One way that we measure that is through our training schools. And uh, someone, so again, it's kind of related to, it's not how long you've been with us, but how deep you've walked with us. Because we want to know we're on the same page. There's some vision that we have, the way that we live our lives, the character that we value. We want to know when we give someone authority, they're having an ability to influence others. And so we're going, are, are you one of us? Are you going the same direction as we are? It doesn't mean that God is not doing amazing things in other churches and other communities in our city and different places. But we, we are a specific tribe. And there, there is a, a, a character and a heart that, that we're walking in that is, that is not a requirement for being a follower of Jesus, but it is a requirement 
for who we are and what we're trying to do. So in our training schools, uh, a couple of years ago when I got to, to town, I, I got a hold of leadership group and I talked with Phil and Leslie and, I said, and people were saying, you can't have that kind of intensity in Boston. And I said, you know what? We might not be able to, but we're going to try. And so we've upped the intensity of our training school over the last couple of years. And it is, how many of you would say it's gotten to where it's pretty intense, it's pretty challenging, it forces your issues. Somebody wave at me, there's a couple of people, yay. And uh, so at the end of that time, once a person has walked through that teaching, they've been in the retreats, they've done a mission trip with us, we've traveled together. Most of your idiosyncrasies and flesh has been seen. And you've seen that, that there's something there that we understand each other, how to relate and how to move forward in relationship, how to, how to repent, ask forgive, forgiveness, and deal with the, the things that are in our heart. Now, um, that's a pretty challenging thing. <laughs> It's a, about anywhere around 20 hours a week commitment. And it's not something that is that accessible for uh, families, for moms and dads in our community. So what, what we are working through right now, and uh, this is, so for those of you who have been around for a long time, you're, you're hearing something a little bit new out of our conversation we're saying elders need to have done foundations, which is the one night a week, one year class. And they need to do a mission trip. And that is tra- traveling with us overseas. Sometimes that's the most intense part of the whole program. And then the third part is a training along with the present elders. So, I, you know, I, before I started planning this message today, I thought, church government, I'm going to have people jumping out of their seats screaming. This is going to be really exciting. (laughs) And I can tell, you know, some people's lights have turned off a little bit here as they're saying qualifications for elders. This is, uh, you know, I'm going to, I should just sneak in a slide like have to have raised the dead at least once, you know. (laughs) That's, how can we get a thrill into this experience this morning? But this is critical, and this is about you growing. This is not just about us filling some seats on a, some board that we have in, in, in a governing body. We're calling every one of you to mature and to grow and to serve. In Timothy, he says, it is an honorable thing to desire the office of an overseer. It is, is an honorable thing for you to out, be out there and say, I want to do this. I want to walk in more. I want to give myself to more. And in, in this church, actually, it's amazing. We had over 80% of our church were involved in outreach the week before Easter. So you guys are engaged. There's so much that's happening in your lives. But there's more. That's why we're bringing more training into the life of the church. That's why we're appointing more elders is because we want to do a better job. We don't want just to be going around thin, barely able to make it. 
We want to be fat in leadership. We want to be fat in capacity. We want to be overflowing and strong, not barely making it. So much of our lives is like that. We're barely making it. We're, you're living with uh, what's happening with your children, with your work, with your education. You're just like, I'm not sure if I can make it like this at this pace for that long. So as a body, we want to grow stronger, not just get out there and reach more people and bring more people in the doors, but Lord, grow the base, the substance, the core, the life of our leadership. So I want to close with this challenge. I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. So yes, I was turning the bend and closing my message. No, come on in. Yeah, 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 you're right. Come on, Becky. Worship team coming on up here. So, I want you to close your eyes just a moment. And that's not because I don't want you to see what's happening with your neighbor, like I'm going to ask an embarrassing question. It's because I I want you to draw a circle around yourself right now and you to be looking to Jesus. For those of you who are brand new here, this worship, the teaching, this walk with Jesus is, is completely new or, or very new to you, then we want to talk with you afterwards. We want to explain some things about what it means to walk with Him. So you can come up to me or look to those that are around you and say, you know, can you answer some of my questions? But for most of you here, you're the seed of the, the, the future. You can't imagine all that God has for you. You can't imagine what he wants to do in and through the life of your friends, the communities that you're building. He has dreams. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you could ask or think. And I want to ask you, if you, I'm going to ask you a question and then give you a chance to respond. The question is this. Will you give your life as a seed to plant in our community and say, I want to move forward in leadership. I want to grow in these things. I want to be trained. I am willing, you know, it's, uh, I could ask you in this way. I'm willing to be an elder. Yes, we have a, a lot of filtering process, and it may be 10 years from now. But I, I want to be someone who, who cares for others, who prays for the sick, who, who is overseeing and, and building people up, who's spending time in God's Word. I want to do these things so that I could grow. If that's you, I, you just put your hands out in front of you. I'm willing. I want to to grow as a leader, Lord. I want to be that person. And you're putting your palms out in front. 
you're just offering yourself to the Lord. To be in the college community, young adults, families, any aspect in, in your community. I want to grow in this way. I'm willing to, to give myself to be a part of what God is doing here. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep them there. Many, many, many of you. So I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord, you see every heart represented with these hands. And we're asking you, Holy Spirit, to come with fresh power. That your word would be alive in us. That you would, you would grow us in our ability, not just to walk with you, but to teach others how to walk with you. We, we pray for our city. We pray for the different boroughs. You just name out wherever you are, Lord. Cambridge and Dedham here in Brighton, Lord Jesus. Watertown and Waltham. Medford, Lord Jesus. I didn't say your area, Alston. Jamaica Plains, Lord. We're asking for your church to rise in neighborhoods, for people that love you, that forgive others that are humble, that that follow you in character, that seeds of communities will grow all over our city, Lord. The people will study the Bible on campuses. They'll study the Bible and pray for each other in offices. Lord, in that new GE building downtown, we ask for believers there. New jobs from Boston in that new building. In restaurants, we're asking for your kingdom to come, Lord, and use us, grow us up. Show us how to walk together. Give us discernment. We commit our lives to you, Jesus. Amen. You can put your hands down. We're going to sing a song of worship here. And if there's some place where you want to just submit to the Lord and pray, you can come up and kneel.